You know, I don't wear a tie that often. And when I do, I get some encouragement, let's just say, from some of you. I should introduce myself first. My name is Alex. I'm the lead pastor here at Courtright. And I'm so glad that you have joined us this morning for Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, that's the main thing, but there are a few other things to celebrate. As I was choosing between so many ties, it's bewildering, I thought, well, why not just simplify things? Why not just dress in a way that that celebrates something else, right? Like... Because the main thing is to celebrate Jesus, but there are other things that hopefully we can celebrate. Hopefully I didn't just ruin everything. Um, I'm going to put that away now. You notice that it's not just the leaf stores that's blue and white, it's also the, the Scottish bag. Good things come in blue and white, apparently. Christ is risen. So why do we do that? Allison talked about that a little at the very beginning. Why do we say he is risen indeed? It's kind of a tradition around here. You may come from a church that didn't do that, but uh, as Allison said, Christians have been doing that for a very long time. But that little word indeed is weird. Hardly anyone uses the word indeed anymore. Indeed feels antiquated. It feels formal. But the reason we use it is to add emphasis, right? So I might say to you, the Leafs have a real opportunity this afternoon. You might reply, indeed. (laughs) And as you say, indeed, they do have a real opportunity, Pastor. You're saying, yeah, yeah, they really do. And I hope you're praying. I hope you're praying (laughs) as well. I will take it. I will take it. (laughs) Leafs Nation needs prayer, no question. (laughs) But indeed also means something else. It means something more, right? A deed is an action. We know that. So literally, indeed means something actually happened, something historical. Indeed, you might say, in fact, in reality, in truth, in history. So it might be less weird to respond... Oh, yeah, instead of with indeed. Let's try that. Christ is risen. That came very naturally to you. (laughs) But when you do that, you lose the affirmation of history. When we say he is risen indeed, we're not only emphatically saying that he is risen, we're also affirming that we believe it really happened in history. It's not some myth, some symbol. I love how John Updike makes this point in his poem, The seven stanzas at Easter. He says, he writes, make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. If the cell's dissolution did not reverse, the molecules re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. It was not as the flowers, each soft spring recurrent. It was not as his spirit in the mouths and fuddled eyes of the eleven apostles. It was as his flesh. Ours. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valved heart that pierced, died, withered, paused, and then regathered out of enduring might, new strength to enclose. 
So let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping, transcendence, making of the event a parable, a sign painted in the faded credulity of earlier ages. Let us walk through the door. I'm not going to get into the evidence for the resurrection in my sermon today. There's plenty of it. And if God is God, then I believe he could absolutely raise anyone from death to life. Let me just say that we're a church that is open to doubts, to questions, to skepticism. And we're also a church that believes in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Our hope is built on nothing less. Christ is risen. He is risen. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, now I've ruined everything. This is how traditions get undermined. Let's pray before we open the Bible. Holy Spirit, would you guide our reading of your word? Lead us into your truth. Lead us into the very arms of our Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, in whom we have life forevermore. Amen. We're going to pick up the story where we left off at the end of the call to worship reading John 20, verses 11 to 23. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him. And cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. So the disciples are still searching here for Jesus when we meet them on that first Easter morning in John's Gospel. It starts with Mary looking for him. Then Peter and John run to the tomb. If Jesus had stayed dead, you can imagine they would have remembered him as their best teacher ever, as such an amazing example of how to live your life. Teacher, that is what Mary calls him when she recognizes Jesus. Now, the disciples believed in God. They were people of faith. 
But they had not yet met him in a living, life-changing way. They'd subscribed to his truth. You can think of it that way. But they hadn't received all he has to offer. The fullness of his new life. This Zoe life is the Greek word for it. This abundant life. This life that overflows and does not end. When they see that Jesus is alive, when they truly grasp him and who he is, everything changes for them and for all of human history. But first, they needed what we also need today. And that's three things. They needed to be shaken. They needed to be redirected. And they needed to be sent out. So I don't know where you're coming from today. Your life circumstances, your background. Maybe you're not a Christian. Or maybe you've always believed in Jesus. Never had any real deep doubts. You may be a good person, and yet it may be that you have never encountered him, truly encountered him, the living, risen Christ. He may be your teacher, but not your life. A few things have to happen if you're going to move from general belief to a perhaps first time real encounter with Jesus. First of all, you have to be shaken. In other words, something has to happen in your life which is going to upset your ruling assumptions. The reason some Christians don't have an encounter with the living God is that their hearts tend to filter out what they know in their head. You may believe in God, but your heart in its day-to-day assumptions affirms your own independence. You may need God's help during times of difficulty, but basically the reality is you think you can do it on your own. Your heart won't accept that you're completely dependent on him. Instead, your heart is set on what the world values, success, money, security, your family and friends, good things, and on the list goes. Someone has to come from outside and shake that up. Look at verse 19. The doors were locked. But Jesus, who had been crucified, who died, and who was buried, Jesus comes in anyway. In Luke's version of this story, it says the disciples were terrified when the risen Jesus walked in. And so in Luke, what does Jesus do? It's almost funny. He asks for a fish. Someone get me a fish. And he eats it right in front of them. He does that to show them he's not a ghost. Jesus comes through locked doors, and yet he's physical. You're never going to meet Jesus in the life-changing way that he wants to encounter you unless something comes through your circumstances and shatters your assumptions. It can happen overnight, or it can take many years. Maybe it's a setback in your life or a change that you weren't expecting. Something awful happens. You get sick. You lose someone or something so precious to you. Maybe it's the realization that after years of trying to get what you wanted, a career, a relationship, personal fulfillment of one kind or another, you still aren't happy. Now, you may already have gone through this kind of crisis in your life, this disappointment, and almost shrugged it off. It is what it is, sometimes I hear people say. 
The disruptions in our lives are more than simply disruptions. They're invitations from God. They're doors that open for us to encounter him. But we often choose to disregard them. We say it is what it is and we move on. Having faced these kinds of challenges in your life, even uninterrupted success will betray you in the end. Because the world is simply not enough. That's what we find. Our independence, our search for happiness, does not bring the peace we're looking for. The next thing that happens is once you've been shaken, you start seeking God. You realize that you can't do it on your own. You look for God But what you're actually looking for is someone who will meet your needs. Now, that's the most natural thing in the world, but it's also a problem. We need to be redirected. When Mary recognized Jesus, she reached for him. She embraced him. But Jesus says, don't hold on to me. Isn't that strange? Jesus says, don't hold on to me. Go to the others. Now, that that sounds like a pretty awkward hug to me. As I was reflecting on this embrace, which I think is really the central point of this whole passage, which is central to the whole New Testament, you might say, which is central to the Bible, which is the center of our possible relationship with God. As I was thinking about this embrace, this awkward hug, I could think of only one thing more awkward, and that is the dreaded Man hug. Tony Beer, if you will. (laughs) Two men, perhaps in the coffee hour at Courtright, spot each other across the room. (laughs) They're friends. They come towards each other. Maybe it's been a while. (laughs) Good to see you, man. Good to see you, Alex. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Yeah, these are good. Hey, that was awkward. <laughs> I'm going to sit down now. You better go sit down. You've seen this happen, right? Someone comes up to you, if you're a man, this is not to generalize too shamelessly, but men really have a bit of, have cornered the market on the awkward hug. Someone comes up to you and you put your hand forward, but they're one of these men that throws their arms wide open. Now, the anatomy of a man hug, you should not sniff the other man's hair for certain. (laughs) You should be aware and honest about how awkward it is, what's happening in front of you. Do not close your eyes. That makes people think that you're into the hug a little too much. You could wink to make the hug seem a little more kind of -of run-of-the-mill, ordinary. Smile, but, but don't smile too much. Don't be too eager. You saw how Tony and I kept our distance even as we got close. There is an art to the man hug, and I expect some of you to practice this after the service over coffee. Back to Mary. I trust that the hug that Mary and Jesus enjoyed, even though the text tells us nothing about it, was nothing resembling awkward. This is the high point of Mary's life. She's overwhelmed by joy and love, and she embraces Jesus. 
but he will not let it last. He's saying, as he does that, as he tells her, don't hold on to me. He's saying, this isn't just for you. You can't cling to it. Instead, you're going to receive a whole new direction for your life. And it's actually what you've been longing for all along. Though you think all you want to do is hold on to me and never let go, I'm sending you out into something far better, far richer. As a Christian, you're drawn into the will of Jesus. You're not your own anymore. If you want a God to meet your needs and fulfill your desires, you will not encounter the living God, the God of the Bible. It won't be the risen Christ you meet. A living God will confront you and will change you. You will not have a personal relationship with God, what we need most of all, unless he can contradict you. There's a movie that illustrates this so well. It's called The Stepford Wives. It stars Nicole Kidman, and the story takes place in Stepford, Connecticut, where a group of men have created a perfect life for themselves by replacing their human wives with robots. These Stepford wives are energetic, they're beautiful, they're hospitable, they're relentlessly upbeat. Above all, Stepford wives never oppose their husbands' wills. Now that's a strange-sounding men's ministry to me. I, I don't know if I've encountered that one. And of course, the whole thing is a lie. It's a delusion that does not give life to these men, but... Many people in our world would settle for it, and you could make the case that more and more technology allows us to live in that delusional bubble. If you're looking for a more abundant life, if you're seeking God in one way or another, do not settle for a Stepford God. Don't choose a God you've put together to meet your own needs. Don't turn into that dead end where you worship yourself and your own desires while fooling yourself into thinking it's actually God. Because if you do that, you're going to be alone. And what Jesus wants most of all for us is that we not be alone, to relieve us of this burden of loneliness, because we were created to enjoy relationship with God and with others, to be in that harmony. There's nothing more fulfilling than a relationship with a God who is real, who is beyond us, who is bigger and better than us. So how do you get that? How do you get this true direction that we all need? Well, start reading the Bible. You won't get far before you come up against something that will challenge you, perhaps infuriate you. The God of the Bible will bring you up into his agenda, not lower himself to yours. And the irony of this is that nothing will make you, make you feel more significant than to have a cause that's more important than your own needs. If the number one goal of your life is to be comfortable and happy, is to have money and to be around people like you, you're actually going to end up feeling less and less significant. Now we get to the third thing. If you've had your assumptions shaken, if you're open to a God who will redirect you, a God who is bigger than you are, the next thing is you're going to try to follow him. You'll read your Bible, you'll join a church, and pretty soon, you know what's going to happen? You will be ready to give up. How do you meet the risen Christ? 
Look at what Jesus does in verses 20 and 21. He walks into that room where the disciples are. And what happens? Does he quiz them on the parables? Let's review the Sermon on the Mount. What did you understand? Does he say, we got work to do, the Apostles' Creed, let's whip that up right now. No. He shows them. He says, look at what I've done for you. He shows them his hands and his side. You will encounter Jesus when he stops being an example for you, a teacher, and becomes your savior. Now you may think Jesus is already your savior, but you're still trying to live up to him, to be a good person, to earn his favor. And so you need an experience of his grace. You need to grasp the gospel, its freedom, in order to see Jesus truly. To recognize what he's done for you. That he gave his life for you at the cross. That you are forgiven, that you are made new, transformed. And then to rest in that grace. To trust him with everything. And the only way to do this is in the company of others who are struggling to grasp the love of God. If you want a next step for that, maybe you're here today and and it's Easter, so you came out. This Wednesday night in this room, there will be a lot of us around tables trying to see who Jesus is, especially his resurrection. As we look at the passage in the Gospel according to John where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Join us. It's only when we're sent out by Jesus that we will have a new life that grows and flourishes. What does that look like? Well, it doesn't mean you're going to have tasks to do. Ministry that will keep you busy. Church activities. But you are going to become more outward focused. Martin Luther gives what I think is the best definition of sin there is. He says... Sin is when you turn in on yourself. He doesn't define it as bad things you've done or good things you've failed to do. Sin is simply self-centeredness. When you encounter Jesus risen alive, he draws you away from yourself and leads you to take an interest in others. In the end, it's only Jesus filling us with his life that makes this possible. In verse 22, Jesus breathes on the disciples. In Genesis, God breathed into Adam to give his life. Here, we are witnessing the recreation of the world by Jesus as he breathes new life into his people, into his church. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's nothing less than an intervention. I had that experience recently, an intervention. A few weeks ago, we had lunch after the service here at Courtright. It was a single service that day because we had two baptisms. It's a wonderful Sunday morning. And then we ate lunch together in the gym. Everything was going well. There was all this amazing chili. And someone, some incredibly thoughtful person, had even brought special hot sauce for the pastor. It was really hot hot sauce. That's how I like it. But then I had a problem. I was eating my chili, talking to people, and I, without even thinking of it, I closed the lid of this bottle of hot sauce. 
and a single drop flew from the lid directly into my eyeball. The pain, I tell you. The agony. I was blind. I cried. My face went red. I cried some more. Then out of nowhere, a man appeared. With one hand, he grabbed my head. With the other hand, he took a pitcher of water and started pouring it into my eye. Apparently, this is called a flush. It was no man hug. It was a lot more awkward than that for me. And a lot more effective also. And then I could see again. This intervention came courtesy of Rob Boyd, paramedic superhero. (laughs) Well, Jesus intervenes too, but his intervention is far greater. He gives his disciples the Holy Spirit. He breathes into them. And the way I picture that is more like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation for their souls. New life. I'm glad Rob didn't have to do that with me, I've got to say. And so Jesus is sending us out. Every one of us who has encountered the risen Christ is enlisted in his purposes. With his death and his resurrection, Jesus overcame the power of sin and death. And Jesus promises to come back again to destroy death for good. To end all suffering. What do we say? He is risen. In the end, I want to come back to Mary. When Jesus calls Mary by name, and she responds by running to him and hugging him, that's the picture I want you to have of Easter today. And so, it would be terrible if you left here with that image of Tony and I circling each other and sort of I don't know what we were doing, but it was awkward, wasn't it? What does a hug look like? What should it look like? Let's redeem that awkward hug moment. When Jesus says, don't hold on to me, he's saying, I've got something better for all of you. If the Holy Spirit comes into your life, The fullness of grasping me, says Jesus, the fullness of me will be even greater than if you could have hugged me and clung to me and held on to me. You will have joy like you never imagined. When Jesus says Mary's name, he's telling her how much he loves her. That's really what he's saying. Why is it so hard for us to tell each other we love each other. Now, my, my brother right now is going through just a nightmare, a health situation with his wife. And my dad recently had a stroke in the eye, never heard of such a thing, and has lost his sight. And, and yet I still find when I'm talking to them on the phone, especially my brother who lives in Ireland, I still find that it's hard to say I love you. You know, I, I say love you or, or, you know, we love you. I just shrink somehow from saying I love you. This Easter Sunday, Jesus wants you to know, most of all, that he loves you. This peace, he says twice, that he wants his disciples to have. The Hebrew word for it is shalom. It doesn't just mean the absence of conflict, it means wholeness. It means that he puts the pieces back together. I think of the brokenness that Rowena was talking about earlier. 
So recognize Jesus for who he is today. He is alive, he is risen, and he wants to make the difference in your life. He wants to shake your assumptions about what matters, to redirect you away from yourself, from that dead end of self-preoccupation, and towards others, ultimately back to him. And he wants to send you out on an adventure of learning how to say I love you to others, and how to serve others, how to live out his love. Jesus calls us by name. He reassures us like that. He says, I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. He says, receive my life, true life, real life, eternal life. He says, I love you. He is risen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for raising your son Jesus from the dead. We praise you that you are a God who is always pursuing us with your love and your mercy. You call us by name even when we turn away from you. And you know us better than we know ourselves. All of our struggles, the darkness in our hearts, and yet you love us all the more. You speak your peace into our lives. You bring us into the company of others and you send us out to serve you. Holy Spirit, would you breathe your life into us together today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.